The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that's 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Horsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. If you are not currently following us on social media, we'd love for you to do that. We are at No Nonsense Pod on both Twitter and Facebook. We would also love for you to subscribe to or follow the show on whatever platform you're using to listen. And specifically, if you're listening on iTunes, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and review. Great show for you today as we take a quick look back at last Thursday's disastrous Titans loss in Duval. And then we look ahead to what hopefully will not be another disaster for them this weekend in Atlanta against the middling Falcons. Let's start, just to get it out of the way, by taking a look at last week's game. And I made the comment, this comment as we were uh, sort of uh, discussing our, our talking points. On offense for the Titans, everything was bad. Like, <laughs> I, I know, you, you guys know I'm not a huge Mariota fan, and I did, did not think he played well. But the offensive line didn't play well. The play calling was terrible. Uh, the the running backs did not do their jobs, Henry nor Lewis. Um, just just bad by everyone, and it's concerning. Yes, it's concerning because we've seen a bunch of these signs uh, and symptoms uh, pop up over the last, what, five years? And it appears that the common denominator is the quarterback, but I don't think he's to blame for for a lot of what's been going wrong. Uh, uh, he's He's been bad. I, I'm not going to say it. The last two games, he hasn't been good. But in this game, I remember I, I texted you guys, and I thought he was playing actually ra- rather okay because he was making a lot of really good, really good throws that I haven't I hadn't seen him make in in a really long time. Uh, he had a good amount of zip on a lot of his passes. He had. Uh, several deep passes that were pinpoint, the one to Tajay Sharp, the one to Adam Humphreys. And I don't know. I, I mean, in the second half, he looked pretty He looked pretty good, it, it, and it seemed like he 
might have turned a corner, but I, I mean, I don't know what quarterback could anything happen uh, behind that disastrous defensive line, uh, anchored by possibly the worst right guard in NFL history. Uh, I, I'm trying to be even keeled about this, but he's going to get Mariota injured. Josh Klein was terrible. He got Mariota injured twice, and Josh Klein is probably five times a player Jameel <laughs> Douglas is right now. I've read a lot of bogus pro football focus grades over the years, <laughs> um, but I, I've never seen anything quite like a, a 12.5 for any position, which is what Douglas had. And I've always said that the one thing PFF does well is their offensive line grades. So, Yeah, t- too high of a grade if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, I was fixing to say, like, do you mean like when you say bogus grades, you mean that was like – eight points too high like i mean it like it was i mean i i i don't know like i and we've talked about it before i don't know why he started i don't know why they didn't bring anybody else in i don't know why they cut Corey levin none of that makes sense it's truly malpractice by i, I don't know who's doing it if it's frable or keith carter or whoever it is that's making these decisions but i mean it, it's it's terrible and you know just talking about the game as a whole you know i'm i'm not i mean i'm i'm the pro mariota one on this podcast i mean i've been watching quarterback film as much as anybody else i promise like i'm not i'm not sold on the idea that you know the titans should give him a 10-year contract or anything like that but everybody is so quick to throw this loss on mariota i mean he had a 50-yard completion and two two or three like 20-yard completions it's not like he was Trubisky throwing the ball in the dirt or like missing guys that were wide open. Like, I mean, you'll see stills where it looks like there's guys wide open, but I mean, it happened maybe two or three times. And now again, I'm not saying he's good. Like I should, I should walk that back. There are times when he misses guys that are open, but it's guys that are open for like six yards on second and 20 or, you know, it's situations like that. But you know, the offensive line couldn't protect him enough for him to have a well-orchestrated 12-play drive anyway, which is what Mariota's always done best with. And they couldn't get anything going in the running game. So, I mean, everybody failed across the board. Um, it seems like A.J. Brown has forgotten how to catch the ball. Um, Corey Davis is, for some reason, not a focal point of the passing game. Neither is Delaney Walker. Uh, it's It truly astounds me, like how bad that was coached. And I guess you can throw some of it on the short week, but I mean, we know who the Jaguars are like we've seen that before. And, and I guess we should also say that the refereeing was so bad that Tom Brady like tweeted about it and fundamentally shifted the way that refs are going to call plays like we saw this weekend. So, I mean, there were so many bad holding calls against the Titans that it was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And and it, it, it felt like we were getting, we were getting punked or something. But, yeah, but, like, but like, let's let's not sit, no, this, try to this, say this, that the refs yeah, lost the Titans. No, this game. no, no, no. There, there's there's mm-hmm. other reasons why the Titans lost that game that they can blame on themselves. It, you know, that that's but, it, that's uh, but the holding calls completely take your offense yeah, out. Yeah, like there yeah. there were also like several like ten yard gains or you know there was a different. I mean, the the one on Tajay Sharp is obviously the worst, but I mean it's plays that. When you've got that offensive line against that defensive line and you get negative plays on plays where you don't do anything wrong, it is pretty crippling for a drive. But like I said, it's not – I'm not going to blame it on the refs. It wasn't anything like where it just felt like 
no team could have ever overcome that sort of deficit. But for an offense that needs to have a really clean game and needs to be super efficient and go on these long drives, things like that get you killed. And so, you know, it's not on the refs. It's on the offense as a whole and not being able to overcome situations like that. But, you know, that certainly didn't help. And like I said, it's not like Titans fans are the only one that think that. Brady tweeted about it, and we saw the lowest amount of holding calls in uh, in week three, like compared to, I don't know, like the last two years. It was, it was, it was a really low number because they – I'm glad they used Thursday night football as a, yeah, as a it, test run. It's Unbelievable, man. Yeah, it was, it was great. You know, great to be on the road, you know, in a situation like that. But – you know, I guess I guess that's all we got to say is everybody was bad and the refs also hurt us a little bit. Well, a, a couple of things I want to break down from what we've talked about already. I, I want to start with Mariota. Matias, I think you made a fair point that he threw the ball well in the second half because their third down efficiency did go up a lot in the second half, and it wasn't because you know they were getting themselves in better third downs. It was just, just because they were uh, – picking up more consistent chunk plays. And and to be completely honest, my criticisms of Mariota have never been about anything physical. I, I think that he is fairly accurate. I think he has an okay arm. I love his mobility. Here's the problem. Mariota is not a cerebral quarterback which is part of the reason that I think the team could potentially benefit from moving to Ryan Tannehill. And we, we can have that discussion another time. I'm not advocating for it. I'm just saying I, I could see if that happened where they were coming from. Th- that's the issue with Mariota, though. It's the technique. It's still going through his reads. It's the decision-making. It, it, it's situationally approaching the game. It's nothing physical with him. It's all mental, all the problems, which which is is startling after uh, a career that's already lasted four years and three games. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it in the past, and uh, there, there was an article that came out when Mariota was coming out uh, that we all kind of agree on. On, it was an Eric Stoner article. Yeah. And it, it was the, – the title was that Marcus Mariota is – oriented quarterback say, say, so, say that again Matias I think the recording cut, cut you out so it, it said that Marcus Mariota is a task oriented quarterback so essentially he needs a lot of things to go right for him within an offense uh, because like you said he's probably not the most cerebral quarterback out there uh, but the thing is neither is Ryan Tannehill numbers with the Dolphins were, were horrendous he was one of the most sad quarterbacks granted the, the Dolphins' offensive line was bad, but guess what? The Titans' offensive line is also bad. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Tannehill really offers you at, at this point, unless you really think this team is, is going to make the playoffs with that switch. I don't think so at all. In fact, I, th- I think this team gets worse because I saw Ryan Tannehill last year, and yeah. I really don't think he's any better than Marcus Mariota. Also, because I, I really don't think Mariota's been that bad. He, he was bad in, in the Colts game because he couldn't move the offense. Uh, it, this past game, I mean, like I said, the offensive line was was atrocious. And by, by the way, I mean, we, we mentioned Keith Carter's name, but it, it's time. It's time to make a move at, at offensive line coach because over the past two seasons, we've had two of 
the like all time historically bad offensive line performances. And, and yeah. I think I think we can we can point out that the O line coach isn't isn't really doing doing anything to help that. I know he's down to his third string right guard and second string left tackle, but uh, I mean he might have a hand in in that right guard playing to begin with so yeah i mean he's also like that's by choice like yeah <laughs> he could have gone out and gotten his second string center who was on who was a free agent and could have grabbed him and put him in or done anything like, i mean it's not like it's talking about Corey levin right yeah yeah sorry Corey levin like that they, they could have easily brought him in and moved ben jones over to right guard it's something they did in the preseason it, like it's it's not some unprecedented move it's just that's what common sense tells you to do but Ben when Jones you allow, very good, by the way. Let me yeah, just, ben, yeah, Ben Jones and Jack good. Conklin have been solid. Like, yeah. you won't ever see it because everybody else is doing, you know, poor jobs, and you know the offensive line is the biggest. Yeah, poor unit. Ben Jones, he's getting flanked by Jameel Douglas and Saffold, who can't, who's just Dude, getting Saffold, on who, yeah, is like, oh, uh, we'll we'll talk about that some other time. Like, but man, he needs to step up quick. But yeah, I mean. Ben Jones is big. Like it's going back to the Mariota versus Tannehill thing. Like, I mean, really, like they're not that different of players. Like th- this this idea that Tannehill is some really good quarterback or whatever. I mean, the Dolphins haven't been devoid of talent over the last three or four years. Like, I mean, they had Jarvis Landry, who's done pretty well in Cleveland since he switched. You know what what he's doing. They they had one of the Pouncey brothers. I couldn't tell you which one. Probably Mike. Um, and then Laramie Tunsil on the offensive line, which apparently Tunsil's worth 15 first-round draft picks. And then, I mean, they had Kenny Stills. They've had Cooks. I mean, they, you know, they had Jay Ajayi when he was there. I mean, it's not like they've been a team devoid of talent. There's a reason why they paid him that money and then panicked and, like, wanted him out of the building. Like, the Titans didn't make them an offer they couldn't refuse for a franchise quarterback. Like, there's, there's people – and, the you know, the saying goes – the backup quarterback is the most popular guy in town because he is like that, that guy could have made that throw. And well, on on that point, I think part of the reason that we as consumers of the Titans have never had to deal with this before the calling for the backup quarterback, because you're absolutely right is because Mario's backups have, there's never been a question of if they're, as good or better than him. Like, right. no Titans fan in their right mind was going to scream for Matt Castle or for Zach Medenberger or for Gabbard. Blaine Gabber. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're you're right. And, you know, everybody brings up the Steve McNair comparison, how, like, when he got injured, everybody cheered because it meant they were going to get a new quarterback. And I'm not saying that Mariota will be McNair. I don't, I don't think that's true. Like, I, I'm not – going to say he's going to be a co-MVP one day but what I am saying is is that it doesn't matter what you do if you're a quarterback of a team that can't get over the hump or if the fans have decided that you're not the guy it until you're benched and people see what the alternative looks like that they will never have the the correct appreciation for it. I mean and, and on, think, on that point and yeah. it's a great point I'll, I'll ask this to both of you do you think that if the Titans made a switch that it would have to be permanent. And, and and let me let me explain. I think that when the Giants went away from Eli Manning to Daniel Jones, regardless of how he played on Sunday, he ended up playing phenomenally, that was a permanent switch, right? 
no matter how bad Daniel Jones does, there's no going back to Eli Manning. It's over. Daniel Jones is the guy they're building for the future. Titans in a bit of a different situation because unlike the Giants, their season's not over or really even close to over even after two disappointing games. So let's say that this week the Titans eke out a win, but Mariota looks just like he did in Indianapolis. And they say, you know what, we, we want to put Tannehill in in week five. And Tannehill goes out and loses to Buffalo. Then you're two and three. Can you psychologically go back to Mariota? Like, break that down. What, what do you think about that situation? I, I think you can, but um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a totally, it's a totally different than if you were, you had a rookie or a young guy, yeah. and a veteran. So it, it's way different from that standpoint. But I, I don't know. I, I mean, if Mariota gets benched, I, I don't think it would be permanent especially if Tannehill really struggles. And I don't know, Mariota doesn't strike me as as the guy who would get, you know, psychologically really down on himself if, yeah. if that were to happen. He He's a guy who has always been for the team and about the team. And I, I don't know, he just seems like the type of guy that, that would that would take that and, and use it to get better. Uh, but I really don't, I really don't think Tannehill is getting the call unless Mariota gets injured or this, or the season is, is, is completely in the tank. Well, and, and part of the reason I bring this up before you, you give your answer, Will, is that you, you might, if you're willing to make a second switch back, do it for the sake of let's just see what he has. Let's see if it's any different, any better with Tannehill. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say that if you do that, you like especially with how – Mariota is you don't have to worry about his confidence because he seems to be so even keel that I just think he could go you know six games without playing and then come in and play almost exactly the same I think what you have to worry about is the team around him they I mean the the Titans and especially the important Titans like Lawan and Henry and they Corey Davis him. and they yeah and him. Delaney Walker they love Mariota that he is their guy and you know when, when he's not around to defend himself, they're always the ones that stick up for him. Like, that they they go out and they make noise for him, you know. It's just the way it's always been. Like, and for everybody to be like, oh, well, he didn't have the right kind of leadership, all that kind of stuff. Like, that's just clearly not true, and it's an argument they have to defend their points. So, when we're talking about confidence, I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about the guys like you know, A.J. Brown or Roger Saffel, guys that haven't been around and seen Mariota, you know, lead game-winning drives like he did last year and the year before and the year before that or fourth-quarter comebacks. You know, the guys who don't have that implicit faith that Mariota should be the guy because he's always been the guy. So now you've got to worry about a team where if you put Tannehill in and he comes in and has the same exact stat line that Mariota had uh, against the Colts, then you've got a guy who is either on paper the same or, you know, the the thinking is, oh, well, he did that in his first game. Imagine what he can do in his second. Like, you get that kind of thought process from the guys who, like I said, don't don't necessarily have this ingrained mindset that Mario is a starter. And then you end up with a split in the team and it just it just doesn't work out for anybody. And more than anything, it devalues an asset you have. Right now Everybody in the offseason, if the, if the offseason were to end today, everybody in free agency 
agency would either argue that Mariota has potential and that the offensive line around him failed, or that Tannehill should have been the quarterback and that if he gets a starting job, we've seen enough to where he can be a good player or a serviceable starter, like at worst. So See, he, here's the thing about that because I think it was uh, Rex Ryan made the comment on ESPN. Who you know, respect him if you want, disrespect him if you want, whatever. But but he said, and I think it's not a totally unfair point that if the Titans moved on from Mariota after the season, there would be a line of teams wanting to sign him in free agency. And I just don't know that that is true. And my my response to that is what Teddy Bridgewater has gone through. Because that's a guy that was probably just about as productive in Minnesota as Mariota has been here in Tennessee. Now, he did get injured, and that was a big part of it. But, like, the injury is clearly not a part of him anymore. We watched him play on Sunday, and we know that uh, anyone that would have watched him play knew that the injury wasn't a thing. So what that leads me to believe is that, you know, teams kind of realize, like, he's just not all that great. He's a game manager. He's a cerebral player. He's not going to go out there and execute. And he ultimately didn't get a chance to be a starting quarterback ever after being with the Vikings. Now, maybe he's Drew Brees' successor, whatever. But I just don't know that even as desperate as teams are for quarterbacks, that they would be lining up for Mariota. But teams were lining up to sign Bridgewater, right? Like yeah. The, the, he uh, signed Saints for 10 mil, thir- right? Yeah, and the, tra- the Saints traded a third-round pick so. for him. Like, I mean, he he was a very, you know, hot commodity just in terms of, you know, the Jets had this guy. You, well, and you just like, said he's a hot commodity, but then he got a third – he's a quarterback – Making ten million, got a third round pick traded for it. That's not a hot Jimmy, commodity. Jimmy Garoppolo got traded for a second. It's I mean, it's not worlds apart. And then he got Jimmy Garoppolo is making thirty million dollars a year. Yeah, that's I mean, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. Like, I mean, the only reason he's doing that is because he started for four game or whatever six games or whatever it was for the 49ers. And Matias, yeah, Matias was never <laughs> impressed with him. Like to all the credit in the world to Matias because he saw it when I didn't. Like. He was just a functioning quarterback in an offense. So, I mean, a backup quarterback is worth so much today. Like, I think Mariota would get a, a really big contract if he hit yeah. free agency. Who, I, think, I, think, I think he'd get $20 million at least. Per I year. think he would go to the Chargers, and he would make a ton of money. People would love him there because you it's— think Mariota's going to go play with Wisenhunt? I, I don't know if Wisenhunt's there for a long time. I, I don't like the Still offense doesn't there. look good. Yeah, like the offense doesn't look good. I, I would I would assume he's out sooner than later. Um, but I mean, it, let's let's say he's not. I mean, if you've got Garoppolo, I mean, I wouldn't mind backing him up with Mario. At the very least, you've got a high. Like I said, if you think he's Tannehill or like that quality, then you think he's a high end backup you know, borderline starting caliber quarterback, like he's going to get chances. I mean, there's so many quarterbacks who've been drafted high and who've been terrible, who've made it in the NFL for 10 years. I mean, yeah, Blake Gabbard's still in the league. Yeah. I mean, there's, like I said, there's, it's just, it's happened so frequently that, you know, I have no problem imagining that if he, if Mariota and Tannehill hit free agency, that Mariota would get the bigger deal because he's shown that he can lead a team to win games and he can have nine win seasons with moderate to above average talent around him. Like, 
that that's that's something that there's only like 20 of in the NFL, like 25. I mean, it's something that guys like Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones, none of them have proved that they can do that yet. Like, even if they have his 2016 year, they won't have his other years where he's managed to pull out wins that probably shouldn't have happened. So, I don't know. Like, in my head right now, the Titans can count on a future third-round pick and a fourth-round pick in compensatory picks for Mariota and Tannehill, respectively. I think, going back to the original question, if you bench Mariota for Tannehill, Tannehill's bad, and then the team crumbles and Mariota doesn't put up a good statistical season for the rest of the year, then you diminish all your assets instead of you know doing what you said you were going to do in the first place and playing Mariota, who has not – I mean, for everything in the world, he's not had a bad statistical season. So, like – I mean, He hasn't thrown a pick. No, it's he's four and zero, I think, and he's he hasn't thrown, lost a fumble either. Yeah, like granted, that's luck, fumble luck. Yeah, fumble fumbles are a hundred percent luck. That is true, but I mean, I just I don't know. Like, I think it hurts the team short and long term. I think we're not focusing on what could be literally the worst case scenario. Tannehill replaces Mariota. Tannehill plays very well. We commit long term to Tannehill, and then we're in yeah. quarterback purgatory for another five years. Yeah, that is legitimately the worst case scenario. You got to draft a quarterback next year, regardless. I think. I'd commit long term to Tannehill if he comes in and he plays well. Yeah, that's that's the thing is. It, I don't think it's, it's happening. But yeah, it's nah. fun. To, it's fun to talk about quarterbacks for the first like four to six weeks of the season. If either one of these guys gets hot in December and the Titans make the playoffs, then they're gonna get. At least a three-year deal. They're they're going to get at least that Bortles kind of extension. But you shouldn't, deal. though. You shouldn't do that if you're the. Titans. Do you remember yeah. when? I, so do you remember when Tannehill was an EP candidate through three weeks last year? Yeah, like that's the thing is everybody like everybody gets so like overreactive like on a month-to-month basis. Like, I mean, if Mariota comes out and goes three and one in the second, you know, in weeks five to six or five to eight. And they only lose to, I think, Kansas City. Do they have to play them in week eight? Whoever they have to play, like, last. Like, if he has three good games when uh, Taylor LeJuan comes back, everybody's going to say, oh, he just didn't have Taylor LeJuan. Like, he is a franchise quarterback. It was just the offensive line. Like, and and then there will be a faction that's ready to pay him money, and then a faction that's not, and it'll be just like it is now. Like, I'm glad you brought that up, Will, because I, I think that that's where we should take this next. We, hint, we hinted on it as we were preparing for the show, and it's this question of will Taylor Lewan's return next week and week five spur the Titans' offense back to looking watchable? I say no because as good as Lewan is, I love him to death. I think he's one of the best you know, offensive players in the NFL. Taylor Lewan being back is not going to make Mariota a better cerebral quarterback. He's not going to make Arthur Smith call plays better. It's not going to make you know Mariota want to throw the ball to Corey Davis all of a sudden. Uh, he's not going to make Derrick Henry start catching passes on screens, and he's not going to make whoever plays right guard block any better. So one spot will be significantly better, yes, but I just don't know that he's going to have this far-reaching effect because I think that a lot of the Titans' offensive problems are deeper than that. Agree. I, I mean, the problem is three fifths of the offensive line right now. I mean, you slot in Luan, and we still have left guard and right guard that are serious issues. Plus, I think 
the damage to Mariota is already done. Uh, the fact that he's he's not seeing ghosts in the pocket, but it, it it's like he's lost confidence in, in the players in front of him, which is understandable. And I don't think you can really ever get that back. It, it doesn't seem like like he ever will. It's like uh, the opposite sucks. of it's like the opposite of seeing ghosts, right? Because when you see ghosts, you run you around and freak out and it, bail. Yeah. His problem yeah. is. He doesn't see anything, and at the last second when he does see something, fight or flight kicks in, and he flights and just protects himself and goes down. Yeah. I, man, I wonder what the issue is. I wonder if he's like too confident in, in his offensive line that he thinks they're actually going to be able to hold their blocks for more than, for more than three seconds. I don't know that that's it. So, that, so As much as it is, there's a lack of confidence in other things, whether it's his own. You know, arm strength ability, whether it's his receivers, I don't know. Yeah, it, it may surprise y'all to hear this, but I actually have a theory on this. So <laughs> I, I, I think that uh, what's happened is I think he knows that the way the offensive line is right now, they can't go on those 12, 15 play marches that we talked about earlier that eat up, you know, seven minutes of clock and, you know, that they're really the whole, like, apparently the Arthur Smith and Mike Malarkey staples. I think he knows that he doesn't have the group of guys for that. So he thinks, okay, I've got to get one deep shot per game, or, like, per drive. Like, he needs one chunk play. So I think when he holds the ball and is drifting around, he's trying to wait for somebody to come loose, and then they're just not doing it, they're not coming back to the ball, whatever, or he gets Calais Campbell in his face in two and a half seconds and gets sacked, and then now he's got to hold the ball for longer on third and 19 because he's got to find a way to get it at the very least to where somebody can run and potentially get a first down. Well, look, so, I've, I've never played quarterback, but there's one principle of playing quarterback I do know. Touchdown to check down, right? Very popular phrase in, in, in quarterback rooms. Touchdown to check down. When you got those shot plays – you start with your touchdown, and if it's not there, you go from touchdown to checkdown. You don't just sit there staring at it. But who you is come off downs? of it. Humphreys, Deion Lewis, who, anybody. Who are the touchdown options? Yeah, yeah, like that's that's also a good thing. Like his checkdowns are A.J. Brown or Deion Lewis or Derrick Henry who are dropping passes left and right. Like A.J. Brown's I, dropping passes? Yeah, yeah, like four or five in the last two games. Like – a like indiscriminately like a, a bad amount of passes like he, he it looked like he could have run routes on yeah the like I don't looked, know what happened yeah he looked like like an eighth year veteran well, who Boye was like, and Ramsey were getting the best of him and Corey I think yeah, but it, shock shock yeah. <laughs> they weren't getting the best of Tajay <laughs> the goat so <laughs> weird Ramsey I don't know how Tajay was getting ball. open all game. that yeah that was so that was really weird but I mean still like it. Like AJ Brown had passes, has had three passes over the last two weeks that I can very clearly see that have bounced off his hands and just been incompletions. Like he he has not looked good at all. Like I don't I don't yeah. I don't think that's that debatable. But I mean that's the thing is that Mariota is has always been a rhythm quarterback. He's got to have guys that run right in. You know if if you want to say that's a terrible trait, whatever it's what. Tom Brady likes and you know I'm not saying that Mariota's Tom Brady or anything but I'm saying that like you have guys and you put them in a system and you need them to be where they're supposed to be 
And so when you have guys not turn around quick, like there, like there's been on some AJ Brown, you know, like curls where they're just not like sinking their hips and getting around and getting their head around like that, that's a problem. When you have guys drop it, Mario just stops trusting them. So now it's like, okay, he's got Corey Davis and Delaney Walker. And then for half, for not half, but for like 15 plays a game, Corey Davis isn't on the field and the one wide receiver out there is A.J. Brown, which doesn't make any sense. I mean, there, there's all these things that a, a truly great quarterback could overcome because like, well, it doesn't matter if A.J. Brown dropped a pass. I'm going to throw it to him again in the next play and he's going to get it. Like, it's a cool, like, that's great in theory. Like, I love that idea. But then when he did it in the game, he threw a pass to A.J. Brown. It bounced off his hands. He threw a pass to A.J. Brown. He didn't even turn around in time. Like, I mean, and then, you know, Gardner Minshew does it, and D.J. Chark looks like a superhero, and, you know, against a really good defense. And then everybody's like, well, look at how much better Minshew is than Mariota. And I, and That's absurd. Mario's better yeah. than Minshew. Yeah, and and it's like it, it's like you know like his receivers are just fighting and winning contested catches where the Titans aren't. But Mariota doesn't give his receivers a chance to fight for the ball. He doesn't throw it to them unless they're wide open. But that's not true. Like, I mean, he got. Give I mean, me I an example. Humphreys on third and sixteen. Okay, we don't need season. to be throwing jump balls to the, the double uh, coverage. I don't know what that one was. That yeah. was a terrible decision. Yeah, like I mean, it, the problem is is. I don't think he trusts his checkdowns when we're talking about touchdown and checkdown because Derrick Henry uh, looks awful at catching passes and like it, the ball for I think I think at least one time in every week has b- bounced directly off his hands and been an incompletion and then the touchdown screen that he had he almost dropped that one so I mean I, I think- agree but I think you still have to keep giving Henry opportunities because well there's no alternative yeah yeah that's that's the thing is henry is more dangerous than anybody else on the field with the ball in his hands in space with like some room to run like that's that's true and he is worth the risk of throwing it but the problem is is that when he drops the ball or when you know you run you're, them you're in second and ten and third and ten yeah right? like it puts you behind and then it's yeah. like you've got those drops you've got sacks by you know Calais Campbell, you've got Mariota missing eight yard passes, and you've got, you know, guys just dropping like wide receivers dropping passes. And then all of a sudden you're in these third and 19s, and everybody's so quick to blame their own narrative that they're not like, no, this is a fundamental collapse by everyone. Like, and, you know, I guess that's what Vrabel preached this week, but I mean, man nobody is doing their job correctly. And when they are, somebody else is failing so badly that it doesn't matter. So let, let's move on to the offensive line. Uh, just a couple more topics on the offense before we move to the other side of the ball and then look ahead at the Falcons. Um, Nate Davis is – all indications are that he's going to start at right guard this week, the Titans' third-round draft pick. Everyone – Variable has kept saying, you know, well, if, if he's ready, if he's ready, if when, when he's prepared. Well, it turned on Monday to we hope he's prepared because we want to play him. Like that, that was – pretty much verbatim what was said yeah and i don't really care if he's not ready at this point because his ceiling is comes in and he's a starting caliber player what they drafted him to be the floor is what jameel douglas is now no 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 it's higher no no it's higher yeah, he, yeah he's a human that exists in time and space like he'll be better than douglas <laughs> i mean but but i don't understand 
if they don't play Nate Davis this week, there will be no argument possible other than an injury to convince me that that was the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I don't even have anything yeah, more that's to say. Like, Next yeah, topic. Yeah, I mean, you know that. Like, it's like the thing is, is like I think that the ceiling for uh, Nate Davis is Gabe Jackson, and I think the floor is like it's a good ceiling. Klein, maybe. Yeah, like I, I was thinking, he's much uh, more athletic than Klein, though. Like Klein's Klein's problem was now. Granted, they're in his own scheme now, but when, when Klein was asked to pull, it was a disaster. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was like, all right, boys, let's get ready for this eight-second pull. And, and um, let me just say this real quick. People are like, well, when you run a zone scheme, you got to have athletic guards. No, you got to have athletic guards in both because you got to pull in a power scheme, and in a zone scheme, you got to move and get your guy. Dude, yeah. Feel, by the way. Say that again? Is Pam Feel alive? He yeah. will not. He, he did not practice today. Yeah, he's not going to play. Like, I, like I, I wrote about this today. Like, it, the only reason I, I, I wrote about it, there's no reason to just read it. Find, find what I wrote about Pam Field not being on IR and why I think they did it and why I'm not sure if it's the right decision. Um, but, like, it, all in all, it's like Pam Field was supposed to be the starting guard. He wasn't. And because they were so inadequately prepared, like, I guess inadequate, I guess that's right. Uh, like, because they failed to get a good starting interior lineman, like, to back him up, they kept D- Douglas because they were like, well, he can snap the ball or whatever they lied to us about. See, here's and, the thing, though. Palm Field, I think, was always the plan, and Nate Davis was the backup. Yeah, but they yeah, yeah, both yeah. got hurt. That's that's what I'm saying, is, like, because was they, Douglas like, getting reps with the wall even back, way back in, like, July? Yes, but that I, I don't. I don't think he was ever the plan to start. I think he was forced to be. No, Douglas. Oh Douglas. yeah. Okay. But yeah, they did like they, there was a like quote unquote competition, but like they also had Nate Davis as the first guard to practice back to back at right guard. Yeah, which, that's true. I mean, it seems like so long ago now, but like it looked like he was going to be the starting right guard heading into the Titans versus Titans scrimmage, and then they were going to play him in the preseason and see how it went, but. You know, he got injured, and apparently he got injured the same way that Pam Field got injured, which he's just out for a month plus, and we'll never get a reason why. We don't know if it, you know, he stubbed his toe, and this is Vrabel being ultra conservative or what. But I mean, it, it it was not bad enough for them to put him on injured reserve, even though they could call him back in at week eight. But it was bad enough to where he's missed a month of football. So that that's an issue. But yeah, like it's it's Nate Davis should have been the long-term plan the whole time, and he should have been like, if he can start right away, great. If it takes him until week 11 or whatever, fine. But at this point, like you've got to see what's in front of you and say, this is unacceptable. It doesn't matter if he can't do it. He'll learn on the fly, and you know, by week four, he'll know what to do at the very least. So, yeah. I mean, that should be the move. It should have been the move the, as soon as he came off like whatever, like, cause I don't think he was listed on the injury report at all last week. And they're going to say, Oh, well it's a short Correct. week. It was a healthy scratch. Yeah. And so it's like, well, it was a short week. Yeah, it was a short week, but at the same time, like it's probably not like a hydration hasn't... issue. <laughs> I, I, I think that he was a scratch because <laughs> he's not going to be active until he's ready to start. And when he is active, he's going to be the starter. I, I think that's it. Uh, one last topic on the offensive side of the ball, the man on the sideline calling the plays, Arthur Smith. It's Ooh. it's not been good. And, and Matias, 
In fact, when when you sent the the message this week that I'm about to to explain, I was literally thinking that in my head right when you sent that. It's like we had a mind meld, I guess. Um, <laughs> when you said, you know, there was all this talk over the off season, and I probably fell victim to it too. But but the more I've thought about it, the more I've realized how absurd this thought process was. So people said Arthur Smith was going to work because he had he had been on the Titans for so long and he had learned under so many coaches and he was going to take everything he'd learned and and put it all together and concoct it. Well, that's great, but the coaches that he learned under were Ken Wisenhunt, Jason Michael, Dowell Loggins, Matt LaFleur and Terry Robisky. And you know what? I think we have seen a concoction of all of those <laughs> yeah. guys on the field through three weeks. Yeah, it, it, I, I feel so, so dumb right now because <laughs> we we got so up on this hot word of, of continuity. It just it sounded really good, and the idea sounded good. But, yeah, under a bunch of really bad offensive coaches who were really bad in Tennessee— and the argument I think we came up with was, or, or, or like the bright side, was that he was gonna he was gonna take the bad parts of those offenses because he had seen it in person firsthand, <laughs> and he was gonna eliminate those bad parts, and we were gonna see only the good, the good out of those offenses. And when you think think back on it, it just it it was really dumb of us to think that because we're seeing a lot of the same issues that almost all of those offenses had and it i don't know i mean we it, we kind of got enamored with with the first week where we saw a bunch of really cool misdirection uh, and the running game was working pretty well but but there are a lot of things wrong yeah kean kean fahey if you're if you're not blocked by him miraculously that's <laughs> a really has a really good i don't thread. i don't read this dude anymore i haven't muted I know, you, I know. You should read him at the very point. least. Yeah, he's he's the only one talking about like the plays that are designed poorly instead of the three a game that are designed correctly. Yeah, it's just we're seeing a lot of those two man routes that Malarkey loved, it, it, Rubisky loved, uh, it, and it just it doesn't work. They don't work, and, and he ha- he has a thread on on the Titans spacing within their routes. And it, it's bad. It, it's, it's an indictment on the offense as a whole. And I don't know if it's going to get fixed anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't add too much because that is the perfect, like, distillation of what's going on. It's we were sold that we were going to get the best parts of all these offenses and all the offenses were bad. So it's like if you get the best dish you can make out of, like, chicken feet and giblets and cow heart, it's like, yeah, like cool but it's still going to taste like garbage so i mean it's just it's a terrible fundamentally it's a bad offense and then the execution has also been bad and that's that's where we are like that there is no there's no upside to point to and to say yeah but the the players just aren't clicking like once this route gets a little bit defined it's like no it's like the the way they're written is bad like that those routes that you're talking about, they're like pincer routes, I guess, like is what is what I always think of. Like they're just like two routes that run right into each other at the top of the stem. And it's like, well, that's why would you do that? Why would you do that? Yeah. And I mean, that's what play the the bootleg or or like, no, the the rollout, the sprint rollout to one of the field and then you cut the field in half. That's why that's 
that's my most hated play. And we're running the routes to the same side of the field, sometimes with only two receivers, and it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, if you run if you run a sprint rollout and you don't have like the play side tight end going like to the opposite side of the field yes. just as like a safety valve, then you're an idiot and you should not the be Fasano. calling plays in the NFL. The yeah, Fasano yeah, the, yeah, 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 exactly. That play where it's like, okay, well, if everybody flows this way, I'm gonna throw it here, and and if not, like you're gonna have to play a like, real legitimate de- defense, or if you don't run like a jet sweep motion off of it or anything like that to stop the defense. Speaking of the Fasano play, it's gonna get run this week. But not by the Titans, by the team whose tight end coach is Mike Malarkey. Oh, yeah. Oh the Atlanta God. Falcons. I forgot. I completely forgot he's there. Not Shut only up. is it a Mike Malarkey revenge game. Oh, God. It yeah. is a Rustin Webster revenge game. Oh, just kill me now. Kill me now. The Falcons are winning, right? <laughs> I mean, it's weird how the, the team's loaded with... Uh... Former failed Titans personnel is somehow disappointing year after year. Right? I just, so surprised. I, I just cannot wait for when the Titans lose this game to see the video from the Falcons locker room of Dan Quinn giving Mike Malarkey a game ball. And him like immediately running into like the nearest four people for like one yard. <laughs> Never forget Matt LaFleur. Well, we're not going to run into eight-man boxes. No, we're going to run into nine-man boxes. With Luke Stock. Luke Stock. Last topic about the Titans. Uh, That that was really all I have to say about the Falcons is that it's a revenge game. I mean, Matt Ryan, good guy, good quarterback. Julio Jones, freak of nature, great receiver. Deion Jones flies around. The Falcons? No. You know why? Because the best way to attack them is with the running backs in the passing game. And guess what? Our running backs in the passing game are awful. So I don't know what <laughs> that, that or like the one touchdown I saw a hundred times because I have not watched the game from last week uh, was like Marlon Mack just seemingly walking into the end zone on the right side. He's like, played well this year, Marlon Mack. Yeah, he is. He's a good player. Yeah, except when he had to play the Titans. Like they did a really good job. The Titans – at the, I don't want to talk defense is fantastic. Yeah, six and a say I don't want to talk too much about this and going back, but they destroyed Fournette. Like he had something like thirteen or fourteen carries at one point for Minus like eight neg- yards. Yeah, like Minus negative eight yards. eight yards, and like he was getting destroyed, and he got like that one like the same run that the other kid got from uh, the Colts, where yeah, it's like Wilkins. this backside yeah. cut. Uh, but like you know, other than that, like. The Titans have this weird stat out where they're allowing like a bunch of yards on the first like run of, of a series. Or some weird stat where it's like they're allowing five yards per carry on like first down rushes. But that's got to be because teams must only run it like twice on them like the whole game because they destroy it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it, the Titans should be able to run more effectively and tack the edges if they had their starting offensive starting left tackle. Yeah. So, uh, last topic before we do stop the nonsense. Jarrell Casey, um, all-pro caliber guy, pro bowler for the last three years, and in those three years, one of the very best interior defensive linemen in the NFL. For years, the three of us have, on, on our old podcast, said that Jarrell Casey is a streaky player in that he will disappear for a few weeks, and then you have a few weeks where he's just unblockable and and the ultimate penetrator. 
So I ask this to you too. Are we seeing more of that in terms of these are just his three disappear games and, and something's about to change? Or has there been you know, regression in, in Casey? Because Vrabel and Dean Pease have both been insistent that he's been good and the stats will come. But I don't know that it's necessarily a stat problem. No. No, no, no. I, I usually don't recognize like really poor defensive line play, but Jarrell Casey's been on the ground for half of this season. Oh, so much. And against the Jaguars, too, who don't have a very good offensive. Actually, no, they have one of the worst offensive lines in, in the whole league. There you go. And apparently Jarrell Casey was our highest graded defensive player. I, I, I think PFF was watching... The game, the game from uh, last year on repeat because there's no way they watched the same game and actually came away thinking Jarrell Casey was anything better than than bad. He he didn't do anything. He had a couple tackles, yeah, because Fournette was running into brick walls the entire time. But he's just on the ground all the time, and I, I haven't seen him play this poorly in, in uh, maybe ever. Yeah, I mean. I don't I don't want to focus on this too much because this feels like a week where like like every time we almost talk bad about Jarrell Casey, he has a great week the next week. And we never get around to it. But right now he's the third best defensive tackle on the Titans roster behind Mack and uh, Daquan Jones, who have both been very good. They both way outplayed, you know, what I ex- expected from them this year. But. I mean, Casey just like, and some of it is scheme. Some of it is they're asking him to play like nose tech and like do these weird things on pass downs. He's, he's and, getting double teamed a lot. I'll, I'll yeah, and they stun him instead of letting him like do whatever. But like, you can see that he's not as confident in his play because he's trying to jump every snap. Like he's trying to get that play to get him in rhythm, and he's he's been off sides. Like he's like he is clearly jumping the snap count and not watching the ball. Like it and like. If he gets beaten on the initial thing, he's not winning after that. So after his initial step, if he's not winning, he's not he's not fighting to beat that double team or whatever. And, uh, you know, it, this isn't the end of his career or anything like that. We're not saying that. But, like, we are saying that, like, we need to recognize when big-name players aren't playing well. And, we, and because people don't watch defensive tackles outside of highlights, they don't know when they're playing bad. Uh, Casey is not playing well. And – the, it's kind of a good news, bad news, in that the other two defensive tackles who, like, quote-unquote start are playing well, and they do have Jeffrey Simmons coming down the pipeline eventually. But this this can't be the guy you get all year and expect to have the same sort of pass rush that you had, like, last year. Like He had seven sacks last year, and there were sacks left on the field because he was just beating guys so bad that he was getting held. I mean, now you can almost, especially when he stunts, you can almost single block him and just push him to the ground when he's on the move. And I don't know if it's because, like a lot of other players, like the second year after you go vegan, you just don't <laughs> do well. Like, it's, I mean, that's what happened to Derek Morgan. And, you know, Arian Foster has talked about how, like, he swears that's not what happened to him. But then you look at his career and it's exactly what happened to him. And then, I mean, it, it's, it's all over the place. And, that, I mean, I don't. He's not. Have, he's not getting tackles for loss either, or or yeah. he's not getting pressure on the quarterback. No, he, he's yeah, not. He's not. He's not doing well. Like so. Like I, I said, I wasn't going to talk a lot about it. I'm talking a lot about it. The point is that hopefully he gets better. But right now, like if you have to go into a two defensive tackle formation, he should not be the first one out. There. He should be the first one off the field. Also, good news. If Casey does return to form at some point, 
and Harold Landry starts picking it up a little bit because uh, he hasn't they been great. They stop playing him off ball or stop yeah, playing him inside that? the tackle. It's so let's let me let me rant about this for a second and then we can move on. But the way they play Harold Landry is so stupid. Let him line up outside on the outside shoulder of the tackle and rush up field. It is insane to me that this has to be explained you have one of the best speed rushers from the last two draft classes he he's not brian burns who we love but he's real close and what you're doing is you're basically asking him to like read the offensive tackle and play inside shoulder and basically take away his greatest ability and it's baffling to me that this could happen with this defensive coaching staff who are so intelligent and they're such good coaches that for whatever reason they haven't decided okay we need to go into a look where he's just playing outside and he's playing edge because they did it last year and when they did it he did well when they didn't he didn't do well and they've decided that they want to go to the scheme that doesn't do well and it is infuriating to watch um, that and them not lining up Rashawn Evans as an edge and lining him up as a defensive tackle and a three technique. Those are the two biggest issues that this defense is having schematically, and it is very painful to see. I agree that the Evans at three technique is always weird. Like, I love that they play him at a bunch of different spots, and, and, and we've talked about that several times, and he, he loves playing different spots, but I've noticed that too. Like, I, every time I watch a game, I'm like, why is – 54 playing three technique. It's like when Jarrell used to play stand-up defensive tackle. God, don't remember. You mean me. like this year, like when he's doing that too? We'll, we'll we'll talk. We'll have another defensive podcast, and I'll I'll explain. Th- all this the one's been so offensive. We're probably due for a defensive yeah. podcast. Yeah, it's it's hard because the defense is really really good as a unit, but the the reason they have so many converted third downs against them is because of what they're doing schematically, and we can, we can talk about that a different time, but. Real quick, that, Mal- Malcolm yeah. Butler is not bad. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah, the receivers are, yeah. are making outstanding plays. It's yeah. not his fault. Yeah, he uh, had to go against Odell Beckham Jr., T.Y. Hilton, and D.J. Chark, who has looked phenomenal through the first three weeks of the season. Chark is, so, Chark is very good. Yeah, Chark is like a good receiver. So, I mean, he's drawing the toughest coverage, and I think he's allowed three touchdowns and – yeah, they've all they been contested. Windows. Yeah, they've been contested catches with feet – almost out of bounds like yeah. i mean they they have not been lay he's been he hasn't been the titans best corner because that's been logan ryan who has been outstanding and doing every like a little bit of everything but like he is probably the titans best cover corner mm-hmm. last thing for us to do is hashtag stop the nonsense which is the segment that we end every episode with where we take a look at the worst takes from sports media from the previous week. I'll get us started. So today, former Titans safety Bernard Pollard. (laughs) So Bernard Pollard, good player in his time, uh, won a Super Bowl in Baltimore. So, So today I'm in the locker room. And uh, I'm talking to Delaney Walker along with a, a big group of, of reporters. And John Burton from News Channel 5 asks him about, like, the mood of the team. And, and if you're a Titans fan, you've probably seen this video. It's been kind of all over Twitter today. This is what Delaney had to say about that. Honestly, I, when I came in the league in 2006, I know that's a long time ago, um, the atmosphere was a lot different. You know, we were one and two. It would be a pissed off guys walking around here calling guys out team meeting without the coaches 
But today's football, it's a lot different. A lot of these guys can't take that. A lot of these guys don't like to be called out. They want to fight or they want to be traded. And it's, it's that's pretty much where we're going today with this game. Is, as you can see, the rule changes and everything is just different. Is it a good thing or a bad thing or just different? I, I really don't know. If it's a good thing, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not sure. I know it worked when I came in the league, so I'm not sure. Okay, so I post that video to uh, to social media on, on Twitter, and, and Jim White did the same thing. Bernard Pollard quotes this video of, of Delaney Walker saying what you just heard and says this. The Titans culture is awful. People dogged me for speaking the truth, but you're hearing your leader basically say, we soft and we suck and no one cares. I said it before and I'll say it again. Sell the team. New coach, new GM. The fans deserve better. Okay, Bernard. When, when, when you were playing when the Titans were the toilet bowl of the NFL, as I often called them during those days, um, yeah, fire the coach, fire the GM, sell the team. Well, guess what? Since you've left, Bernard... They've gotten a competent GM in John Robinson. They fired not one, but two coaches. And they have a new owner since you were there. So, Bernard, I really don't think you're the right person to be criticizing this team. Not not just criticizing the team. Anybody can criticize the team. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But to act like you have some sort of inside track because you played for the team... This is a totally different organization than when Bernard Pollard played. Night and day, both in terms of on-field success and just how the whole operation is run. So Bernard Pollard's opinion on whether the Titans should sell the team should be taken with the same amount of credence as Ed Reed, another former Baltimore Ravens safety opinion on whether the Titans should sell the team because both have the same amount of knowledge of the organization as it stands right now and this coaching staff. I hate that guy. All he's done <laughs> is is talk trash about our team ever since he left. Well, yeah, it was and, awful when he was here, but it's gotten better. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know what his issue is. So, from the nonsense, honestly, I could have just talked about PFF giving Jarrell Casey the highest grade on our team, but I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is devote this segment to Howie the Titan once again because he is just yes. a a a take machine. He just he pumps them out, man. He doesn't care who even sees them. So I, I could have I could have given you any of it any of his tweets post the general game, like the one where he thinks Tannehill is uh conspiring with Frable to get Mariota out of there. I don't know. That was that was, <laughs> that was something else. But I focus on a non Titans one. So Cam Newton got ruled out uh, before the game on Sunday versus the Cardinals. And Howie the Titan uh, tweeted, Newton may well be hurt, but he could also not be too hurt to play. And this is more Carolina wanting a look at Will Greer. (laughs) Newton also threw for 300-plus yards on Thursday Night Football last week, like Marcus Mariota did. 300 yards doesn't mean you played well. So the problem with this is, is Will Greer is third on the depth chart, and Kyle Allen actually was named the starter in front of Will Greer. <laughs> so there goes that theory, and 
then on Sunday, Kyle Allen threw four touchdowns for the Cardinals. So I don't think Howie the Titan was correct about Will Greer being the one who was, who was getting the look from, uh, from the Panthers coaching staff. So uh, mine is kind of similar because I believe Howie was the first person I saw to have it. Of course. Uh, but but I, like, the, the only one I have saved is uh, like a joking one, uh, which is uh, from Shane the Main, who uh, probably follows y'all. Uh, he said, uh, or Shane the Main 2, I guess is the account name. Um, he said, conspiracy theory, uh, maybe Vrabel and J-Rob actually want Marcus Mariota out and are calling plays they know he can't succeed with, which I'm, oh I'm 99% sure he was joking, but I have seen people that aren't joking make this take, and it's ridiculous. I, I shouldn't have to explain this, but because I've seen it so often, I, I will for my stop the nonsense, but the idea that a coach – with a team that's won nine games and has had a winning record for so long decides in the middle of this run to, okay, that's enough. Why don't we just try to tank, even though we could just switch starting quarterbacks if we wanted to, that's literally not a hard thing to do. All you have to do is say, okay, you're starting. Like, it's not like Mariota has this big groundswell behind him and the Titans fans would revolt if he was benched. Like, that's not what's going on. So the idea that they're intentionally calling bad plays is just a really, like, weird way of trying to be nice to Arthur Smith for how bad he's doing. Can you can you imagine sabotaging your team after a 43-13 to 13 win in week one? Yeah, and then also the same year that the Dolphins are, like, basically taking a knee on every possession trying to lose games. Like, it's like, we want to really try to tank our team for that third or fourth pick. A close second for uh, my pick this week was in response to that Delaney video a Titans fan named Zabu whose profile pick is some sort of alcoholic beverage with a Oilers logo in front of it uh, said Delaney is slowly making me appreciate him more despite his support of Colin Kaepernick oh my oh that's fun what (laughs) we're still talking about Kaepernick yeah, Dude, I, I love I love Delaney, but like this is also kind of like the most heel Delaney Walker we've ever seen. It really is. Like, As he's coach, actively upset with everybody. He's sick of it, man. He had to. He's thirty five. He had to come back from ankle surgery last year, and he's seeing the same exact problems he's seen his entire career. Also, he's on pace for eight hundred and fifty yards and eleven touchdowns. Uh, but he's a he's incredible. Yeah, like he might be. The, he's one of the best football players I've ever seen. Yeah, Delaney, def- oh yeah, definitely like the best thirty-year-old plus like run of most people's career of most non-quarterback kicker. Well, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week to recap the Titans game against the Falcons and then look ahead to the Titans. What will only be their second home game of the year in Week Five and the return of uh, of Taylor Lewan against the Buffalo Bills. So enjoy the game uh, for Matthias and Will. I am Luke, reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.